Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. subject very simple in the fact that I was reading a poll that was conducted a census that was done over the year 2022 and it was talking about how the 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 number of people who identify themselves as Christians has increased and they estimate that by the year uh, uh but at the end of the year 2022, over 2.5 billion people registered or associated themselves with Christianity throughout the world. And they say that by the year 2050, that that number will go up to 3 billion. Now, the, the thing that interested me the most is that many, many religions are now identifying themselves as Christians. Now, when you read the Gospels and you, you, you see where, where, where the, uh, uh, the call to, to discipleship was placed, there's only a few times in the Gospel, in the book of Acts, actually, where it actually mentions the word Christian. We know to be a follower of Christ. But Jesus had something more entailed, something more. He wanted the relationship with you and I. And then the call was to follow him. The title of this message tonight, I titled it, Follow Me. Follow me. In the Gospels, he mentions to be a follower, to be a, a disciple 22 times. Paul in Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 he says this, to be a follower of me even as I am of Christ. Now, when you think of that statement, it's a very bold statement because he's saying, is, is, look, the example that I am setting for you as a church is an example that you can pattern yourself after. Thank God for godly people who we allow into our lives who follow. See, if I'm gonna follow somebody, I wanna follow somebody I know where they're going. Amen. How many ever get those bad directions? Oh, you know what? You just go down the block and you're going to see a crooked tree and then make a left and, and there's going to be a, a guy sitting on the corner, make another right. And I, I want to know where I'm going. I, I, I need to know. And, and, and Paul, and he's making this declaration. He's saying, be a follower of me even as I also am of Christ. He's saying what is the example that I live, the walk that I walk, that you could pattern after it. I've always looked to men, in, uh, strong examples of men in the Bible and, and in the church within the fellowship who I do would look at and I say, you know what, that's an individual who walks with God. That's an individual, man, who I, I, I could see that he has a prayer life. I could see that he has a life that he's uh, pattering after Christ and that he's doing what God has called him to do. I follow that. I lead that. When following Christ, one person said, is more about commitment than convenience. See, there are many who... When it's convenient for them, then they could serve God. 
You know what, I, I like to serve God in the winter because in the summer, man, this is when everything is happening. Or you know what, I serve God up until it's football season. And then, I, then I am committed to this. I'm a, I'm a follower up until that time. It's convenient for them. Many times people have excuses on why they don't do what they're supposed to do. It's a convenience for them. So the commitment that we are called to do is greater than just coming to church. One pastor said, are you, you could come to church, but are you in the kingdom? Are you in the kingdom of God? Are you seeking after the things of God? Are we looking to say, you know what, God, I want to be better today than I was yesterday. I want to do greater things in the kingdom of God. But only that can happen when we pattern ourselves after Christ. When we become followers, when we become disciples, students, learners. Because we can all use the term Christian. It's so broad. Everybody, the, the Mormon church, the, the apostolic church, all these churches are referring to themselves as Christian. Yes, but God never called us to be Christian. He called us to be followers. Oh, he called us to be disciples. Yes. People who want to serve him because our heart is after God. Yes. So in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, it reads this. <clears throat> if anyone wishes... To come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Follow me. Pray with me tonight. Father, I thank you, Lord, Father, for this opportunity, Lord, to minister your word. Father, I thank you, Father God, for the leadership, Lord God, that you have placed before me. And Father God, that the people, Lord God, Lord, that have continued, Lord God, to strive towards that mark, Father. Lord, I pray that tonight, Lord God, that you would stir our souls, Father. Stir our hearts, Lord God, so we would have a greater understanding, Lord, of what it is to follow you. Lord, I'm mindful of your presence tonight. I step aside asking, Father, that you take full control. This I pray, Father, in your son's glorious name. Amen. Amen. You know, the Bible gives examples of followers. And two examples that I chose tonight as one of those who accepted the call. The Bible records that in, in, in the book of Matthew chapter 4, Jesus comes on and he sees two men fishing. He sees them at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, these men would, they would uh, lay out their nets and they would mend them and they would get them ready for the following day. They were preparing. So Jesus sees these two, Peter and Andrew, and he speaks to them, and he tells them to lay down their nets and be a follower. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, these were men who were very comfortable in their trade. See, the Jewish community that you were either going to study to become a rabbi or you would have to pick a trade. And, and so when these men who, were, who uh, by religious standards, were unqualified, but Jesus saw something in them, and the call to them was to follow me. Amen. Now, when you lay down the nets, what you're doing is you're basically laying down something that you're very comfortable with. Laying down your nets is laying down the lifestyle that you're so comfortable with, the lifestyle that you're so used to. Amen. 
laying down the nets of anxiety, laying down the nets of, of comfort, laying down the nets of, of, of just always wanting to do things your way. How many know that sometimes our way will mess us up? How many here could testify and say, you know, my way didn't work? It didn't work. I said this before. We're all here because we're not all there. We didn't have it all together. We didn't have the plan. Some of us just didn't have a, a direction, and we followed people who, who we, you know, we shouldn't have, but you know, when you figure that, man, this, they, they think they, they, they know where they're going, man, I, you know, and you got caught up in it. You ever, who, who here could say, you know what, I, I got caught up in nonsense. I got caught up in it just to be part of a, a, the, the, the inner circle or just being part of what was going on, trying to be a, a significant, trying to like, you know, fit in. See, sometimes just trying to fit in takes us away. We head down the wrong path. Some of us had to learn the very hard way, a very hard way that our way was not the right way. Amen. So immediately the Bible says that they left their nets and they followed him. They leave everything that they know behind to follow Jesus. They had no clue what was involved. They just heard the voice of Christ and they said, you know what? They left down their nets and they just said, let's follow this man. And when Jesus calls an individual, he has something greater in store for them. When God called you and I, everyone here in this church and, and, and those that are watching have been called to something. Amen. God has called you to be a, 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 an influence. God has called you to be a, a, a light. God has called you to be a minister. God has called you to be a teacher. You have been called to something. So when Jesus calls an individual, he calls him to something that is greater. Some of you don't even know the plan that God has for you. Some of you can't even fathom the thought of what God has in store for you. When I see some of these men of God within the fellowship, men like Pastor Edgy and Pastor John and these men, man, these men have come from a lifestyle of young men who were up to no good and God picked them up, put them on a solid foundation and just discipled them and used them for his kingdom. Amen. These men who are going around the world doing great things in cities, who have been called by God and they have placed their trust in God to leave your nets and to follow. Proverbs 19, 21 says this, many plans are in a man's heart, but the purpose of the Lord will prevail. Yeah. Man, we could have all these plans. When I, was, when I was a kid, I had one plan. I said, man, when I turn 18, man, I want to do this, this, and this, and God saved me at 17. And even though I left things, God still had a plan because my new plan was is, man, by the time I turn 50, man, I want to open up a sports bar. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to have screens this way. I'm going to have a walk-in humidor. I'm going to have all these things. Those were my plans. And then God saved me again. Thank God for a spouse who believes in the power of prayer. Thank God for my, your spouse who continues to pray for you and says, you know what, God, this man, he might be thinking he's going to do something, but God, you have something better in store for him. 
And it was then that God started to call on me. God started to, everywhere I went, God would not let me rest. Not let me rest. You know what it's like to be, to run? To run? And as far as I ran, as far as I would go, I would always, always find a Christian. It was like, man, they're everywhere. Everywhere. I can't escape them, man. Every, I mean, I come out of the elevator, man, Jesus loves you. Walk into the hospital cafeteria, hey, man, did anyone tell you Jesus loves you? I'm like, oh, my goodness. These people. Now we're those people. We bring them Jesus. So many are planned, but God has different things in store. Later we see in Matthew chapter 19, the Bible records about a young man. The Bible said that he was a rich young ruler. He was rich. That was his only thing that held him back. And Jesus, he approaches Jesus, and I have to imagine that he was fascinated with the ministry that Jesus had. Because the Bible says that he approached him and he asked him, what is it that I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus lays it down to him. He says, look, follow the commandments. And then he quickly comes back with the reply that all those things I've done since my childhood... But see, Jesus knew exactly what it was in his heart that was going to prevent him from moving forward. So he challenges him. And the challenge was was to give all that you have to the poor, get rid of it, and come and follow me. Could you imagine? He could have been another disciple. But he didn't. Because he considered the cost. See, when you come to Christ, there is a cost that must be paid. Yes, sir. Not that you could earn your salvation, but there is a cost that you, a sacrifice that you must make and that you must say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus at all costs, at all things. I'm going to take into consideration what is involved. Yes. And so the Bible says that he left, he walked away sadly. Yes. Why? Because he wanted to hold on to what he treasured. He treasured it more than the kingdom of God. More so. See, what is it that we as humans, as mankind, hold on to that prevents us from entering into the kingdom of God? I'm not referring to coming to church because every Sunday churches around the globe are, are packed. Every, every, every time there is a tragedy in the United States, the churches become packed. Yep. But over time, people start to feel it's safe now. I can go back to my lifestyle. Yes, Jesus never moves. We do. That's right. Amen. Jesus doesn't leave. He's still there. Bible says he knocks at the door of our heart waiting for us to open it up. So we are the ones who hold us back. In verse 20, I said this. He tells them, go and sell your possessions. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Verse 21 says that he went away sad because he couldn't bring himself to do it. How many times has God asked us and called us to do something specific and we say, you know what, God, not now. 
I'll take care of that later. I'll, re- I'll repent of that later. I'll, 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 you know what, I'll, I'll get more committed, you know, after football season. You know, after all this is taking place, you know, after the voice is over, after this is over, all these things that we have that entertain us, after all that is done, God, then I can consider committing myself. Clearly, he admired Jesus. He desired the eternal life and thought he, had, he was a great teacher since he came to him and asked him of his advice. The thing was, is he was a fan, but he chose not to be a follower. There's a difference between a fan and a follower. You'll see it when a team is doing good. Man, they got, they got fans. Everybody runs to Kmart and goes and gets all their gear. They're, they're, that team is doing good, man. They're a fan. But as soon as they start, start failing and start losing or they, they drop out of the playoffs or they do something, boy, then they go find another team. These are fans. Followers, they through thick and thin. Ride till I die. I am going to stick through. I got, I got nowhere else to go, man. It, it, wherever this takes me, God, I am with you. Till the wheels fall off, God. Till the wheels fall off. See, God is looking for commitment. Convenience oftentimes overtakes everything that God is trying to do. It is so, it is so interrupting in our walks when we feel that there is something else that is greater than what God has called us to do. It's so interrupting. See, the purpose and the mandate of the church is to make disciples true followers. True followers. One person said this, a church who values discipleship over performance will produce disciples and not performers. A church that values discipleship over performance will produce disciples and not performers. Not just showing up for the ministry, showing up to serve, showing up to do these things, but your relationship with God is more important. A disciple, making discipleship. That's why we have so many discipleships. That's why we have Bible studies. We have uh, virtual Bible studies where you don't have to come to the church. You just need to go on Zoom. or Not Zoom. It's, it's another format they have. But it is something that our pastor, our leadership says, you know what? We need to be more involved. See, this is, this is the area in the church where growth takes place is when you have things for people to interact with. Discipleship is where you come together and you, you, you just sharpen each other. Amen. You get into the word and you start studying the word. See, there's something very powerful when you sit down in a group and you start discussing the scriptures because everybody has an input. And that's what I like about Bible study. I remember when we first started Bible study years back in Buena Park. It was just me and Yolanda the first couple nights, the first times we had it. And then I remember, I, I remember discussing this with Pastor, and I said, you know what, Pastor? I said, you know what? Sometimes some of these people don't get here till 7.15. It starts at 7, 7.20. They're walking in and stuff like that. I said, do I, what, do I hold back? Do I, what do I do? He says, preach to the ones who want to be there. And I thought about it. I said, you know what? There are, when, when, you, when you say to yourself, you know what? Whatever it is, if you know I have to be there, look. If you know you start work at 7 in the morning, you don't show up at 7.20. Sure. I would rather be 15 minutes early than five minutes late. Yeah. 
It all comes down to discipline. Discipline. See, we come from a background where we're undisciplined. We're used to doing things the way we do it. Oh, I don't measure things. I just throw everything in there. It all comes together. <laughs> oh, I, you know, we, we all have our way of doing things. But see, there's, a, there's an order that needs to take places because if we're going to be involved, look, when, when church service starts, we need to come in time for worship. Come on. We need to come. See, this is preparing you for the word of God. At home, when you're reading the word or listening to the word, however you're getting the word inside of you, it says when you come to the house of God, then you get confirmation. Because you've been reading it and God has been speaking to you and God has been giving you a word and then you hear that word come across and then you say, you know what, I, I heard that before. I, I was reading that just the other day. God is showing you something. See, nothing's gonna come out unless you put something in. If you ain't putting the word of God in you, ain't nothing going to come out. You got nothing to fight with. You got nothing to give anybody. You got to strengthen yourself. You got to feed yourself. And see, so much more, man, when you come to the house of God and you get into the worship and you're saying, you know what, God, I come before you in your presence, Lord God, I want to be. I want to hear your word, God. God, speak to me. How many, how many here have ever said those words and in the message, God is, man, is speaking to you? We were laughing this because the last time it's just like when God starts speaking to you and you're, you're like, yes, yes. And then when God starts hitting you, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> no, now you're getting too personal. Now you're getting too close. Now you're touching on some things that I still got dealing with. And see, that's what we need to desire, where we need to say, you know what, God, search me. Examine me. Examine me. You know what? What's in this heart? Because the scripture tells us that it's desperately wicked. Yes, sir. So God, you need to search it. And whatever is inside, you need to uproot it. Not cut it at the surface. Right. Or not, you know what, I'll take care of it in the car on the way home. I got a 30-minute drive anyway, I'll repent. Take care of it when God is speaking to you. And where God says, you know what, this is what I need to address in you. You know, sometimes you could come into the house of God and the, and the minister's ministering and you say, you know, that, that's not for me, but man, I don't see so-and-so here because I know that that's for them, right? <laughs> Whoever done that? Oh, just me, right? But God wants to deal with us. God wants to do things in our life, take things out of our life. And see, the great thing is, is that when God takes something out, he puts something back in better. Man, when God takes out that anger and that bitterness and that, that nastiness that we can have sometimes, and you know what? God just starts to give you his joy. God starts to give you his peace. God starts to just bless you and just starts to just enlighten you, and your whole continence changes. Your whole continence changes where you can say, you know what? That individual, there's something about him. You know, one of the things that my, I was, my daughters were telling me the other day, she goes, Dad, we never had friends come over because they were always afraid of you. I go, why were they afraid of me? She goes, you just never, you would just always just look at people. And I go, you know, this is the only face I got, Mia. It's the only face I got. But you know what it is, is that when people look at you just to give them a kind, a kind smile or not, just say, you know what, how do you do it? Or you know what, sometimes just hold the door for somebody. And it's just they walk in and you see, you know, or you know what? Someone's at the, at the shop, at the market or something. Take their cart. See, let me take that back for you. Let me help you. Let me be a light. 
Jesus tells us to be a light. Why? Because when people see it, they glorify our Father. Amen? So back to our text. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Let's look at a couple traits of a follower. One is to deny oneself. Denying yourself also means turning away from the ways of the old self and continually putting on your new self in Christ. We're new creatures in Christ, amen? Him, amen. How many new creatures in Christ do we have here tonight? Denying yourself. Denying what the flesh wants. What the flesh desires. See, the flesh doesn't want to get up and pray. The flesh doesn't want to witness. The flesh doesn't want to get into the word. The flesh wants to go on Netflix. The flesh wants to do all the things that take us further and further away from the things of God. See, that is the flesh. And so when we deny ourselves, it means turning away from the ways of the old self. See, the ways of the old self is what got us in a bad situation. The ways of the old self was listening to our own mind and saying, you know what, my way is better. Even though Christ has given us a direction, even though Christ has given us opportunities to walk in righteousness, we still, the flesh wants to go the other way. That's why the Bible says that narrow is the road. Why is that? Because it's very narrow and it's going to be hard to take that walk. But broad is the road that what? Leads to destruction. And many will be on it. Why? Because it's so easy. One person said that it was so easy doing, serving God that everybody would do it. See, the, the thing is, is that when we, we're going to walk with God, the cost must be initiated into it. What is it that I need to do? I need to stay away from those things. Listen, if you know those things trip you up, don't do it. Amen. Stay away from it. Amen. You know what it is? It's always the second look that gets you. The second look. Look, if you're going to the market and you walk down the liquor aisle and you look and the devil says, oh, man. That second look, it's 90 degrees out there. Man, you, you deserve a chilada. You deserve a chilada, man. And, and you could taste the chamoya. You, you got the salt. You got it all. And, and you're, you're picturing this. And then you know what? It, and then you know what? It's like, you know what? Just one. One leads to two. And before you know it, we're back to the old routine. Saying no to the things that will keep you from your yes. Just saying no. Whether it's getting sucked into a fight, you know, how, it, you know how, how family could be sometimes when, man, you know what, and then we want to get involved and we want to put in our two cents, brother two cents, always got two pennies to throw in, always got, and we, and we get all caught up into it, and then before we know it, we're that person that we don't recognize no more, that person that we don't want to be, so we deny ourselves the next thing is, is that we're giving up the right to our reputation. Matthew 5, 11 says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. 
They're going to talk about you. They're going to talk about you. Let them talk. See, if we're going to worry about what people say about us, we're never going to go. Because people, listen, if you're walking with God, if you are truly have a strong relationship with God and you're striving and you're making those efforts to be that person that God has called you to be, they're going to say something about you. The devil's going to target you. If you do nothing, the devil will leave you alone. I guarantee that. But when you start to make a stand for Jesus Christ, all hell is going to come against you. They're going to talk about you. Friends going to talk about you. Co-workers going to talk about you. Schoolmates. Family will talk about you. But you're denying your pride. You're denying your emotions. You're denying your will. See, listen, if Jesus cared about his reputation, he would have never healed on the Sabbath. If Jesus cared about his reputation, he would have never spoken to the Samaritan woman. If Jesus cared about his reputation, he would not have allowed a sinful woman in Luke chapter 7 to anoint his head. Jesus did everything that was against the religious sect. That's why he was hated. That's why he was mocked. That's why the devil hated him so much. And his ministry was what? To reach the lost. To reach the lost. In John chapter 8, the scribes and the Pharisee bring an adulterous woman to him that was caught in the act. See, they were so set on following the laws of Moses. And they were thinking that they were going to trap Jesus. And they bring her. The Bible says that they caught her in the act. Where was the guy? They left him there, but they drug her. And some commentaries say that they drug her half naked and they threw her at Jesus. And they say, Moses said that this woman should be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus is in no hurry. Bible says that he stooped down and he rode in the sand. And they still pressured him and they wanted to know, what are you going to do? And Jesus says these words, you without sin cast the first stone. One by one, the hands were opening and letting the stones down. Because by all rights, the only one there who would have been able to, who was without sin, was Jesus himself. And he forgave her for her sins, and she became a faithful follower of Christ. The second thing that we must do in Mark chapter 8 is to take up the cross. The cross was an instrument of death. And what Jesus is referring to is the commitment to him, even unto death. See, when you read the book of Revelations, a lot of us try to avoid the parts where they talk about they're going to, those that are left behind, and if they want to serve Christ, they're going to be asked to deny Christ, and if not, they're going to behead them. And when you read the scriptures of all these disciples, all 12 of them, they all died for the gospel. And to this day, Christians around the globe in countries that don't have the freedoms that we celebrate here are dying for the gospel. The Egyptian Christians who were all laid on their knees and these religious sect beheaded all of them and they videoed it. And they asked them one last time, will you deny Christ? And every one of them said no. And they were beheaded for Christ. And we lose our parking and we think it's a trial. (laughs) They ripped up your track and you're done. 
They took your seat and you're losing it. Those ain't trials, friend. Those ain't trials. That ain't nothing. You know, we haven't been persecuted how these people have. In countries where they have to divide the Bible, because if you're caught with the Bible, you are immediately arrested and tortured. So some of these believers are memorizing the gospel because it's so precious to them. And some of us have three, four Bibles and we don't even pick them up or read them. What we don't put inside of us will not come out of us. So we take up the cross. See, the difference between a fan and a follower is their level of commitment. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, turn with me there. Because when I read this and you study the life of Paul, you have an understanding of what he means in this scripture. See, the thing I like about the apostle Paul is that as zealous as he was for his religion, he was even more so zealous for the kingdom of God. He was the one who was assigned those to kill Christians. And when he met the Holy Spirit, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he had an inner counter relationship with Jesus immediately. He knew right there that his life would never be the same. And Jesus chose him, chose him for the great ministry that he had. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and it reads this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How many of us here can mouth those words, I have been crucified with Christ? I'm no longer my person. I am no longer the old person. I have been crucified with Christ. And now whatever I do, I live for Christ and I bring glory to Christ. To say those words. See, when the cost is weighed is when the decision is made to bear your cross. You are all in. You are all in. Some of you here, man, when you, when you get involved, some of you guys get obsessed with things and hobbies and things. We could get so easily obsessed. I had an obsessive behavior, man. When I wanted to collect something, I wanted the best of it. When I had this, I wanted the best of it. But when I decided to follow Jesus, I said, man, I want to be the best person that God wants me to be. Man, I am perfect by no shape or form, man. I know, I know that I know that I need Jesus. I am so messed up without him. When I feel like I'm becoming disconnected, I always know where I need to come. I come right here. I sit there in my chair. When nobody's around and I'm able to say, God, what it is that I need to do, Father God, to serve you. I want to serve you, God. I want to see your glory. I want to see souls saved. And then we do, you know what, this thing that sometimes God puts it in me where I like to walk down the aisle and I like to pray over seats. Because as weird as it sounds, I know where people sit. And I say, you know what, God, man, man, this family right here, man, the Conkel family, Lord, bless them. Father God, touch them, keep them. Lord God, that one, Lord God, that is struggling, Lord God, they came, man, and I haven't seen them, Lord God, but keep them. 
Lord God, that one marriage, Lord God, that is holding on, Father God, Lord, just continue to stir them. Father God, that one child who's sick, Lord God, show their parents, Lord God, that they need to have a greater faith in you, Lord God. Strengthen them, Father. These are our prayers. That's how you get to tap in to your time with God. You know, when we first start off, we start praying for things for ourselves. But then when God starts to show you the needs of other people, is that when you start to say, okay, God, I am my brother's keeper. I'm gonna pray for my brother. My brother who's struggling with that illness right now, God, I pray, Father, that you are touching him, Lord God. Lord, that you are lifting him up, Lord God. Father God, that that one who lost the loved one, Father God, that there is comfort in that family, Lord God, and you get the glory out of this. And when we start to say those prayers, we start to understand what it is. The last thing is to follow Christ. So we're denying ourselves and we're bearing our cross and we follow closely. 22 times Jesus uses the phrase in the gospels to follow him. Seven times in Matthew, four times in Mark and Luke, and seven times in John. See, what does it mean to take up your cross and follow Jesus? One person asked this. He said, would you still follow Jesus if it meant losing your closest friends? Would you still follow Jesus if it meant alienation from your family? Would you still follow Jesus if it meant the loss of your reputation? Would you still follow Jesus if it meant losing your job? Would you still follow Jesus if it meant losing your life? When Paul wrote to Corinthians, he was speaking from experience when he said, be a follower of me, even as I am also of Christ. Paul was to make disciples. Wherever he went, he would establish the church and he would make disciples, followers. And the only way that we're gonna become true followers of Christ is to accept the word of God as the truth. Not the things that we like to say or we like to hear. I said this before, Thomas Jefferson, he read the Bible and there was a lot of stuff in it that he did not like, so he cut it out. That Bible sits in the Smithsonian Institution. It's a small Bible. Now his family has come back and now they're reproducing it. It's called the Thomas Jefferson Bible. See, when you read the word of God and there's something out there that God is speaking to you, that's an opportunity for you and I to say, you know what, God, that's me. That's me. God help me. God help me with that. I want to be a follower. Follower of Jesus. It's what time I have here on earth. I want to be said about me is is that I love Jesus, that I love Christ, and that I loved his people, that I believed that God is still the miracle worker. I look around left to right and I see miracles. I see miracles. I've seen some of you walk in here beat down, but the miracle is I saw God lift you up. I saw God just put love inside your heart. I saw God restore what the enemy tried to destroy. And that's when you just sit back and you just lift your hands and say, you know what, thank you, Jesus. Bless you, God. Bless you, Lord God, for all that you do, Lord God. Stand with me tonight.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I praise you, Father. Father, we glorify you, Lord. Lord, you're preparing hearts right now. I want to make a plea to anyone here. Maybe you came tonight to visit. Maybe, you, maybe you've been here before or somebody brought you. Or, and you've never made that commitment. You never came and said, you know what, I, I, I come to church, I enjoy it, I like the worship. It's alive in here and it's a, lot, it's a positive energy in here. Those are words you may have said. But you've yet to experience the love of God. You've yet to experience salvation for yourself. What is it that these people have? They have the forgiveness of God.